Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dedicated to George R.R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series, you're listening to Podcast Winterfell. And now, here's your host, Matt Murdock. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this special edition of the Podcast Winterfell fan call-in show, I guess is what we'll call it. Um, even though I don't really have any callers lined up, it still will be fun for me just to spout off some things. My name is Matt Murdick, and normally you will find me at podcastwinterfeld.com. That's your one-stop shop for all of things uh, regarding that particular podcast, which covers the A Song of Ice and Fire books by George R. R. Martin and covered the television show for a number of years. I took a hiatus from the television show. I basically quit the show uh, about midway through season five because I had issues with some of the directions that they were taking the stories. And I never really lost interest in the show or way the show portrays the story in the books. And one of the things that's more fascinating for me now is the fact that for the most part, from what I can see, maybe other than just a couple of storylines, the show has completely overtaken the books. And that's piqued my interest because I am, you know, just like TV show watchers were often jealous of book readers because they had an idea of what might happen in the show. Now I'm a book reader who is somewhat jealous of TV show watchers because they know things that might happen in the books. Some of the things I'm sure will be different. We've had uh, discussions on Podcast Winterfells many times before where the idea is that I'm thinking of this as a song, kind of a myth of a song. And you have Dave and Dan, who are one band that's telling the story. And then you have George R. R. Martin, who is the other band who is telling the story. And I don't want to get into any kind of philosophical or debate or anything about that, about whose story is better. I think that you're going to find, uh, as we've said many times on the podcast in the past, that some of the major hits, you know, the chorus will actually be the same. Um, but the verses to get to those choruses might be quite different. And I think that that makes either aspect of it enjoyable. If you're a connoisseur of both. Now, the thing that has happened uh, that would have never happened with a show like Lost, which was the first show that I ever podcasted about, um, really the invention of social media and the explosion of social media has made it impossible, unless you just want to just completely disassociate yourself with any kind of social media, it's made it pretty impossible to keep from finding out things about what's happening in something. Um, you know, there's going, always going to be that errant book reader, uh, of, of, uh, of a show, you know, of a series of books that's being made into a television show, who's going to blurt things out. 
and people who are uh, only have watched the television show are going to see that, and vice versa in terms of uh, now for the George R. R. Martin series, book readers um, seeing tweets from TV show watchers, even if the book readers have decided, well, I just want George's word to be what, his story, to be my story, and that's a choice. I just don't think you have to really make that regardless of whether you get spoiled on some of the big bullet points or not. Because for me, the journey with George is actually the journey itself, uh, that that's the gold of George. And, and a book allows you to be layered in so many different facets that a TV show just simply cannot, uh, because a TV show doesn't have that kind of time to go that deep into detail. And we've unearthed many theories already in our TheoryCast series at Podcast Winterfell of stuff that may never appear in the television show or may be irrelevant to the main story, but they're still fascinating aspects of the A Song of Ice and Fire story to look into simply for the fact that we are a literally a Tumblr generation and we always are going to find more in what's there than probably what was ever intended, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Um, but that doesn't make it any less fun to see some of these bullet points realized in the TV show. And there's been several things uh, that I've learned since I stopped watching. I think that was season uh, five, episode six was the last episode that I watched. Um, I still have not watched a complete episode of Game of Thrones since, but I have, um, of course, learned what some of the main things were that has happened between now and then either from asking people because I simply wanted to know or by, you know, just finding out by accident in some cases. Now, the idea of, of, of all of the deaths that I've seemed to have come across uh, since uh, since leaving watching the show has, has really made me think that Dave and Dan are on a tear uh, to get to the bottom of the hill. And that's actually kind of exciting because as George R. R. Martin fans know, we often have to feel, we still feel like sometimes we're still pushing the ball up the hill, even though the ball should be rolling. And let's just look at some of the deaths that I've learned, and I'm sure that I'll miss some. Maybe Ion Throne in the chat will help me out with uh, any that I've missed here. But as I understand it, the whole family of like Stannis, Selyse, and Shireen Baratheon are dead. Um, so that takes care of almost all of the Baratheons we know, save for some of the bastards, like maybe Gendry, um, who, as far as I know, is still out there rowing a boat somewhere, but somebody can correct me if that's wrong. Um, we've also seen the death kind of of the Martell line, the, the actual bloodline of the Martell, from what I can tell, uh, with Duran and Tristane Martell both killed early on in the season six. Um, I remember seeing that. Um, I remember seeing some people actually celebrate that because they weren't very enthused by the Dorn storyline uh, in the television series. And I, I think that's unfortunate. Although I think also, let me just say this, that with the Dave and the story that I think Dave and Dan are trying to tell, and if they are rolling the ball down the hill, um, you know, this side aspect of the Martells will probably be very interesting for us as book readers. And maybe even if TV show watchers get into the books later, they'll go, oh, this was pretty cool. This is something we didn't get in the television show. 
Um, but I, I don't think you could, you know, even the direction that the whole Martell storyline, the whole Dorn storyline was going before I stopped watching the show, um, seemed disappointing compared to what I got out of a feast for crows or even the last parts of a dance with dragons. So, um, I don't know, maybe they just feel like the aspect of that is not nearly as important to the overall story as uh, some of us book readers have liked to think that it is. Um, And uh, that may be due to George giving bullet points. That may just be due to Dave and Dan's creative decisions because there's been many a time when they've substituted characters in or out. So the whole Duran and Tristane thing, certainly I wouldn't have expected that. Um, And uh, I'm surprised by it. Um, but it doesn't really, I can't say it really disappoints me either. And maybe, I don't know, it was this a way to make the Sand Snakes seem stronger than they did in the couple of episodes that I saw them in last year. If if it does uh, strengthen the Sand Snakes themselves, then I'm all for that. Um, that's perfectly fine. More deaths that I have here. Um, how about... Bruce Bolton, which was a great surprise to me when I saw that uh, in an article that he had died, um, as well as his wife, Walda, and his, uh, I guess, his trueborn child. Um, that's a big surprise uh, for book readers who are into that whole bolt on thing, uh, which is a very silly theory but some some people still uh like to read it and be entertained by it and even give it a little bit of credence every once in a while uh does that change your mind about that that's one of those aspects that um where the television show making a decision may or may not happen in the books so we don't really know um but if it does happen in the books um, or if it does uh, imply that it might happen in the books, just based on where the story goes from here, does that affect the way you think about certain theories? Are we starting to cancel certain theories? Like, I, as I understand, Euron Greyjoy is here um, in this year's story as well. And if Euron is in the story, and we still have a Dario story going on simultaneously, well, I guess uh, Euron... Uh, equals Dario equals Benjen Stark equals Septa Lamore equals Ashara Dane. Um, maybe all of that is out the window as well. Um, it doesn't make it any less fun for book readers to theorize about it, though, which I think is fun. Um, but I certainly was shocked by the death of Bruce Bolton, not shocked by the fact that it was Ramsey. I think that Ramsey might have been planning that for quite a while, I, but I haven't seen the show to, to know exactly when he would have started planning that. But um, any kind of mention of an, a possible other trueborn heir, uh, I'm sure, would have jump-started Ramsey in that direction one way or another. One of the, the, the saddest things that I've seen, um, just from this most recent episode and uh, from, I can't remember if it was a couple episodes back, I saw somebody tweet about it, but the death of direwolves is happening, and I've always said that as go the direwolves, so go the Starks, um, that uh, would be very disconcerting for me, because I, I think, let's see, if if I'm correct, um, I saw, I think it was, was it at Patman23, or somebody tweeting about the fact that Summer was killed in this most recent episode, Um, and I, I remember, um, at SM Persephone, our our friend Stephanie, who's been on this podcast a few times, 
saying something about, uh, of course, Shaggy Dog, although I, as I understand it, at least on Twitter, there was a debate as to whether it was actually Shaggy Dog or if it was pointing towards the Grand Northern Conspiracy Theory. Um, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know if there would have been anything evidence in the show or not. Let's see what Ion Throne says here. Um, yes, Summer and most likely Shaggy, although there's still a crackpot hope for Shaggy is what Ion Throne says in the chat. Um, fantastic, man. Uh, all, I'm all for crackpot theories, as you guys know. Look, I have a caller who wants to call in and that's what this episode really is. It's kind of a couch, so to speak. I'm just a couch and I'm going to ask you questions uh, and poke at your brain the same way a psychoanalyst would uh, to figure out uh, what's going on with this show. I hope you don't mind, but we're going to welcome in uh, somebody who I know is a good friend of our brother podcast. I like to think of them as my brother podcast, uh, the uh, Small Council Pod and the Joffrey of Podcast. Of course, she goes by uh, Double H. Holly, we welcome you into the podcast. Thanks so much, uh, first of all, for calling in. And um, I don't know, how far off base am I with any of these things that I've been rambling on about for the last 20 minutes? Um, I'm not too sure. Hi, everybody. I actually was just getting on the call so I could listen because I'm having trouble with the audio Um through talk shoe, so I just kind of called in just to listen, but if you have nobody else, um, I guess I'm here for you, Matt. Oh, well, I appreciate you taking the time, then. Uh, if you you want to bow out, now is the time to say so. Uh, I'll, I'll stick around and see where this goes. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I was just talking about, uh, you know, uh, to a couple of direwolf deaths uh, that I've heard about, one being Shaggy Dog and one being Summer. Um, and the summer being the most recent episode. What episode was it that Shaggy Dog uh, died? Um, I believe I already lost. I already lost that. I think it's either two or three. Wow. Um, maybe it was episode two. Yeah, this was episode or three. Somebody, I am trying to correct me, please. I know you know. Um, but yeah, that was that was really rough for me. The direwolves in particular. Um, very close to as, as a book reader and a show watcher and um, seeing that happen broke my heart. And this week with summer was, it was even worse. That's when, that's when I started crying uncontrollably and just into the rest of the episode. It was, I, I could not take it. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of glad that I missed the emotion of it. I know that everybody is in, in uh, you know, their hearts are really hurting about Hodor at the same time, their minds are spinning from the reveal about where he got his name and, and how it came to be and all of that. And I would like to get to that in a little bit, but um, my big question for you, I said, let's just stick on with the direwolves for now, because I've always kind of maintained that as go the direwolves, so go the Starks. Um, Nymeria became lost and we've seen Arya become lost. Um, I guess the one aspect would be Lady dying so young and Sansa not really dying, although I feel like metaphorically in the books, she has died and um, she is slowly being reborn into someone else. Um, but I agree. Uh, what in terms of uh, an effect this might have on Bran personally, do you think that that might have? Because... Um, I mean, obviously, uh, even in the books, Bran is his his warging and his green seeing skills by going through the tree. The Weirwood network has has grown immensely. Um, 
I don't recall in the books, did we ever see Bran warg into anything else other than Hodor or Summer? I don't believe so. Okay. So uh, it would seem that both of his warging outlets would be gone then with the television show, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think this is going to hurt him really badly. It's going to be it's going to be awful for Bran. Um, and how the episode ended, he's still um, we're guessing lost in this vision. So I I don't know what's going to happen when he wakes up. I'm I'm really I'm really clueless, and it's kind of scary as a book reader to be completely clueless as to what's going to happen next. I I do not like that feeling very much. It's pretty terrible. Well, well let me let me ask you this. All right, so. Um... Put yourself back into finishing a storm of swords for the first time. And maybe there's still, a, you know, a feast for crows and a dance with dragons to read ahead yet, or maybe not. Maybe you were one of the people who had to wait on the books as they came out. But no. uh, how, how did you feel at the end of that with like, you know, the reveal about um, the brotherhood without banners and their new trumpeter. I don't know. Has that been shown in the show? They're not doing that whole aspect of the storyline, right? Um, it doesn't appear so yet. However, Bran is going to the Riverlands. Um, and I think from what we know with casting and, uh, production news, there will be stuff in the Riverlands. So there are some Lady Stoneheart truthers still out there and hoping and, uh, I'm one of them, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not counting on it, but I think it's possible that they could still go that route. We'll see. Uh, but that was reading that for the first time. That was very, very exciting. And um, I don't know if it's been too much time at this point, if it's going to have the same effect as it did on people who are reading the books. Um, it's just been so long and they, they haven't dropped any other hints otherwise, you know, no visions with uh, Arya and Nymeria you know, having the wolf dream and pulling the body out of the water. And I wish they could have done something, a little small tease, even if it's just for the book readers and the show watchers didn't, you know, wouldn't necessarily know what was going on, but I wish there would be something, some kind of hint that would say, Hey, we, we might, we are, we are going to do this in the future, but so far they've given us nothing. All right. Uh, well, I think that that's a little unfortunate, but I, I've never, even in the context of George's story, I'm still trying to figure out how Lady Stoneheart really works in, in unless it just ends in the, you know, a big fray massacre, which is fine with me. Um, but I remember when I finished that book and there were still two books left to read, how excited I was and how I had no idea where anything was going again, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, um, is that feeling of excitement, as even as you described, is that different um, than the feeling of excitement you're having as far as the television show goes? And is it just because you're a, a bigger fan of the books than you are the TV show, or is it because um, you know you're you're worried about um, Dave and Dan making a left turn and going around the long way, or the or making a left turn and going the short way as opposed as opposed to George's right turn and going around the, the the long and much more detailed way to get to the next bullet point. Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, some episodes I'm frustrated with Dave and Dan, but um, this week I was I was happy to learn something completely new, um, whether it's in Martin's vision or not, but um, getting to know how the White Walkers were created was very exciting. And um, even though from what we I've, I've read about um, the Hodor um, 
origin story and how he came to be that that was exciting to find that out even if that's going to be slightly different it's that was heartbreaking but it's just also at the same time it's really awesome to you know have some new information after you know waiting what has it been like five years since a dance of dragons have come out so yeah um it's a little bit of both though i definitely I, i'm not gonna i can't stop watching the show and but I, I also am more excited about the next book coming out than seeing the end of the series i got you i got you well i i, I think that yeah that that would be a uh as someone who does both uh one and, and as i kind of said at the top of this podcast i think one of the fun things might be seeing the bullet points and then seeing the different ways that the the two mediums get to those bullet points um and uh i mean both being mutually satisfactory because you have uh, you know the television medium just simply won't allow for the book approach and and vice versa so um uh, you know, um, maybe at some point after George gets all of his books out, uh, you know, somewhere around 2049 or something, then I'll go back and I'll, I'll buy all of the Game of Thrones shows and watch them and see what the differences were. Um, in the meantime, I can't stop talking about it because Twitter just it keeps, uh, uh, you know, blowing up every Sunday, which tends to me to say, you know, there's some quality going on with the television um, because I, I am seeing a lot more uh, generally praise on Twitter um, than blasting, except for maybe a couple of storylines. Um, was very shocked myself um, I, I, at the end of last season to find out about Marcella. Um, and I guess that mm-hmm. has been confirmed at the beginning of this season. And then um, the most recent one that, that kind of got me was the, uh, the OSHA thing. It, it just mm-hmm. seems so heartbreaking to have her, you know, go off with Rickon. And, and then the very next time you see her, it's because she's being brought back and, uh, and, and essentially killed within what, one or two episodes. That's been a, the theme of this season is like, let's bring this character back just to kill them. And, uh, Hodor has been the only one so far that it felt earned. Um, everyone else, it's just like, ugh, it's so fast and quick. And, and in some ways, I think this is my, I have a problem with the show, just kind of rushing through and killing all these people. And, you know, as a book reader, they're all characters that I enjoy. So it's just, um, some of it doesn't feel quite earned to me, but I also understand that they, they have to get where they have to get in the show. And, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. That's what well, you get for watching this show. <laughs> well, you get you get you get the the, the TV machinations for sure in order to to mm-hmm. speed up the story. Um, and another concern for for a television show that uh, George doesn't have to worry about. I mean, he can write a page five years after he writ, wrote the previous page, and the character is still fourteen. Whereas right. with the with these uh, with these guys, you know, it's like. Oh my gosh, Arya is graduating college this year. <laughs> right. And 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 speaking of which, um I did kind of want to touch on the Arya story. I it's been my understanding that uh she's been blinded and then unblinded again and I'm not I don't think that they took the same path. If you said there there's no uh kind of visions or anything like that, then obviously there are no cats involved either, I would guess, right? No. No, there was there was no scene with a cat, which was really disappointing. Um they, the only Stark in the show that they have that has any warding ability appears to be Bran, um, which is disappointing uh, for me. 
because I love that whole aspect that all the Starks can work into their wolves and, but they just, they just, uh, they don't touch on that with any other characters except for Bran. Very interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know that that has been a complaint of many book readers, um, since the beginning of the show. Uh, well, it, or at least very good getting into season three, I would guess would be the time when that would have become more obvious with John, with Arya, um, and even, uh, you know, the Clash of Kings, I think there's even a Sansa dream where people have wondered if that wasn't some kind of connection with Lady at some point. Um, but my question to this, as far as Arya goes, okay, she's back. So I'm assuming that she's in a position where she's either going to have to succeed or have to give up. And I'm going to assume that she is going to succeed. Um, and, and that would that would be my guess because I feel like Arya needs to get uh, just like Nymeria needs to get as far away from the story as possible, except with her connection to her own pack, which is perhaps Gendry or even um, Sansa. I, as we did the feast dance tandem read, I constantly theorize that Arya will become a, a faceless man or a faceless person, I guess I should say. And, uh, essentially um, be perfectly fine with doing so until she comes across that one mark that is given her that makes her realize who she is again. And I've always, I've always theorized that that would be Sansa. And I sit here and I've seen uh, something, a couple of articles already online this week where it seems that Sansa has uh, more or less told Littlefinger off. Is that correct? Yeah. Sansa has, told Littlefinger off at the beginning of the episode. That was, uh, I'm sorry, was that your question? Well, yeah, I was just trying to confirm that because now I'm thinking Littlefinger is the one guy who knows everybody in Bravos because of all of his dealings with the, with the, uh, with the bank of Bravos. I mean, he funded a lot of Robert's um, debt with them. Correct. I mean, that was covered in the show Mm -hmm. even back when I was watching the show. So my thought is, is like, if Sansa doesn't, you know, if Littlefinger doesn't feel like he can use Sansa anymore, and if he really doesn't love her, if he just kind of looks at her as a Catelyn substitute, could he call for a hit on Sansa if she becomes a threat to him? Hmm, interesting. He probably could. I'm still not sure what his motivations are in the show, I mean, or the books for that matter, but it's it's really not clear what his plan was. Um, did, did you watch the episode? <laughs> I didn't. I'm just going on articles okay. and everything. So I, I, I am, I'm literally fishing blind here, you know, and just trying okay. to feel, feel the, uh, the thread. And I don't mind being spoiled about anything. Um, that's one condition I set for myself. If you, you can be as specific or nonspecific as you wish. It's just that, uh, I, I just had this thought. It's like, well, if Sansa told Littlefinger off, um, and he doesn't think that she's any more used to him um, in any way, be it because he loves her or, or whatever, uh, because he thinks that she's just a young Catelyn. If it's possible that he could call a hit, could she become Arya's first mark abroad and that be the thing that brings Arya back? I mean, hmm. I'm, I'm throwing it way out there. I'm throwing the line yeah. you know, uh, next season somewhere, sure. but... I'm not too sure. He, um, when he approached Sansa, he said, you know, he was offering her the knife as a veil to help, you know, her recapture Winterfell. And 
she, you know, she was angry at uh, what he did to her by, you know, selling her off to Ramsey. So she flat out refused. But something tells me I think he might still, you know, bring her the Knights of the Veil anyway. Um, I, I don't really know otherwise what he's going to do because that's been his play is, you know, manipulating in the show anyway, it's manipulating Robin Aaron um, to his cause. So if he's, uh, if he's not going to help Sansa uh, with the Knights of the Veil and take Winterfell, I don't really know what his next, his, what his plan would be and what his plan, this plan B is, would be um, otherwise. So we'll just have to see. Very cool. I, I like I said again. I'm just kind of fishing blind here, so that's very helpful information. Um, yeah. Now, Iontron says in the chat that they show the Mercy play this week, and I'm assuming he's referring to the released Winds of Winter chapter. Um, yeah. Have they jumped that far ahead in Arya's storyline? They've kind of jumped they... back and forth. They've uh, they've kind of jumped back and forth. But yeah, we did see the play this week, and um, what you were saying earlier about Arya kind of being reminded about who she is. I think that was a start to it because there was you know a Ned Stark character and a Sansa character and Joffrey and King Baratheon and Queen Cersei and everybody. And so you know as the play went on, it was basically the events of like the first you know few seasons that the play was about. And you know so. Some things she was kind of laughing at, like Robert, you know, being a drunk. But uh, the the actor that was playing Ned was playing Ned as very unintelligent, redneck type character. So that was upsetting to her. And then later she sees, it's like she finds out that Sansa gets married to Tyrion through the play. Like she doesn't, because she doesn't know anything that happened in King's Landing after she left. So she's, you know, she's kind of watching and learning about what happened to her sister through this you know, satirical play and you could see it in her face that it was quite upsetting for her to find out some of this information. And, and you could see that like, she's not no one yet. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. So, so that, that they've set it up to where the identity is, is really that much more of a test right now than um, ever before. Very interesting. So, so uh, no coin thing, huh? No Uh, little girl. Um, no, they didn't change her face that way. They did introduce the guy last season that she was supposed to kill, but then she gets sidetracked. And um, this is where they kind of got back and forth on her storyline is they kind of did something from that Mercy chapter last season, but with a different character. Um, and then that's when she lost her eyesight, is when she killed uh, Sir Marin Trant. I don't know if you're aware, aware of that. But, okay, um, so there's another rest in peace. Marin Trant is gone. Yeah, that okay. was a, that was a season five rest in peace. Um, but but he she was like about to kill him, and then she sees Marin Trant, and he was on her list. So she did actually put on a face of a little girl because Marin Trant was was um, into little girls, and mm. so she posed as as one, and she murdered him that way, and then. Um, Jock and Hagar, the slash the kindly man, found out and took her sight as punishment. Um, so they've kind of like messed with that storyline a bit, and now we're seeing the Mercy play, which you know I don't know if she's gonna. Now she's supposed to kill an actress instead of um, you know the person that she does kill in that chapter. I got gotcha. you. We'll see. Um, we'll see where that goes. 
Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, yeah, I have no idea what to make of that. Then. <laughs> uh, but uh, but th- that that does seem um, I guess it will come down to her deciding at this point whether she is uh, a faceless going to be a faceless person or not. And what the ramifications of either might be, I guess, would be maybe her storyline for the season or at least for the first yeah. half of the season. We'll see. I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Um, the uh, the chat room had posted a question uh, when we were talking about Littlefinger. Um, does anyone, and this is news to me, uh, thank you, Guest 4, for, for putting this in here. Does anyone think Littlefinger was still trying to play psychological games with Sansa with his half-brother comment, which she didn't tell John? Um, about Littlefinger's visit. So she saw Littlefinger, um, which, you know, it seems kind of weird that Littlefinger would make all his way from the Vale to where she is, right? Because she's at the wall now with John, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they met, she got a letter at, while she was at the mall, and, well, I'm sorry, while she was at the wall to meet in Molestown, um, to meet Littlefinger in Molestown. So they go and they're talking inside of an empty building in Molestown. And um, this is when she tells him off. And, he offers her the Knights of the Veil, and she says, "Well, you know, uh, I have an army." And he's like, "Oh, you're, you're, yeah, John." And she says, "Yeah, John's my brother." And he kind of reminds her, like, "Oh, you're half brother. Like, you shouldn't trust him." And it did Ooh. get in her head a little bit because she presents some information about um, Littlefinger. Also tells her that the Blackfish has escaped and taken con- control of River Run again. So later, Sansa, there's a scene with Sansa and John and Tormund and Brienne, and they're all talking about taking Winterfell, and she volunteers this information that she knows that the Blackfish is, you know, is is, is available to help, if, uh, and so she wants to send Brienne, and she doesn't volunteer how she knows that information. She doesn't, she doesn't tell John that Ooh. she spoke to Littlefinger. So the fact that she didn't, you know, tell John where she got that information from, um, you know, maybe Littlefinger did get in her head a little bit about not wanting to trust John. Uh, but yeah. again, still don't really know. Maybe, you know, she doesn't, she's just still playing some of her cards close to the chest because she, uh, you know, she's had so many bad things happen to her on one hand. I can't really blame her, but on the other, you know, it's basically her, the only family she has left. You, you know, you just want, you want her to trust him. Right. Yeah. Do you think it doesn't look like she does completely? Do you think that's a smart play? Because I I I question that. (laughs) Is it smart withholding the information from John? Uh, yeah. Is it? I mean, I like you said. I guess you can justify it in her still holding the cards because she's had so many bad things happen to her when she's been open with people. Um, so I can kind of understand it from that respect, but um, who's to say that Littlefinger's army couldn't just turn on all of them and say, look, Lord Ramsay, here we are. Now you join us and we go after the Iron Throne for me. Mm. Yeah, that's that could definitely happen. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. As a viewer, you want her to, you know, obviously you want her to trust John. We all we all know John and love John. Um so, yeah, it's kind of like, why didn't you tell him? And Brienne even asked her, why didn't you tell him? And I don't believe she answered Brienne's question when she asked, but she did send Brienne to uh, River Run to, to get the Blackfish to come and help. So she was, she was taking little, she, she's using the information that Littlefinger gave her. 
which I guess, you know, as a book reader, we know that to be true. But, you know, maybe in the show, what if it's not? And um, what if what if he is setting Ooh. something up? I just don't understand his motivations, though. Like, why would he do that? What is why would he try to trap Santa that way? Yeah, I don't know. that's a great point. That's a great point. It, it, it doesn't seem like um, although uh, I can think even in the book, there's been some times where I've thought there's little rhyme or reason to what Littlefinger does until you see, you know, chapters and chapters later. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it, that, that I, I tend to agree with you that it just doesn't seem clear um, what Littlefinger would really gain simply by defeating Sansa um, in some yeah. kind of strange ruse about uh, Brendan Blackfish. So that that's for sure. It seems to be even more confusing in the show what his intentions are than in the books too. So I, I really don't know. I I don't even try to guess for a little right bit on more. <laughs> yeah, little little fingers just kind of like oh okay that's that's the way it goes okay yeah, yeah. Uh, at, at least we know that Littlefinger hasn't lost his teleporting skills evidently. Oh no, um, <laughs> no he has not. <laughs> He's still in touch with the people from Star Trek somehow. Yeah. Um what else? Oh, Danny, I haven't even asked anything about Danny. Now, I I know that we just recently did a read of Game of Thrones shortly before the season started. And uh there was a lot of of the 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 Vase Dothrak chapters and and uh the mention of the Dash Kaleen and all of that um and uh, it seemed pretty apparent to all of us that even in the books that Danny is going to end up back at Vase Dothrak and uh you know probably in some way kind of, of win that army over um maybe with her dragon as opposed to what as I understand in the show she just kind of burnt the burnt the place down right and and then the people that were outside she did the whole uh walk out of the fire naked thing um and because i remember seeing an entertainment weekly article that uh where emily amelia clark said yes that was actually me don't worry folks i'm still doing nude scenes um at any rate as a book reader, because I, I know that we've been told by the author of the source material himself, George R. R. Martin, that Danny's resistance to fire um, is not a regular thing. Resistance to heat, maybe, but her resistance to fire is not necessarily a regular thing. But I know that at least in two times that I've seen on the television show, not only The Birth of the Dragons, but also in The House of the Undying, um, she clearly uh, was able to resist fire there as well as the dragons were shooting, you know, past her and and more or less uh, to, to get all the different Pyatt Pre clones or whatever they were. So um, how do you feel as a book reader about that kind of difference? Because that seems kind of monumental to me. And I don't really mind it one way or the other myself, um, but I know that it really bothers uh, a couple of the people who contribute to this podcast regularly, like Susan. She's always on to me, totally on to me about, no, Danny is not totally resistant to fire, Matt. She is not. She is not. Keep your book mind in- instead of your TV mind. So uh, has this changed any aspect of the story for her, for you? Um. When I saw that scene, I, a lot of show watchers loved it. Um, I was just, I think I even tweeted about it after the episode. I said something to the effect of, uh, when all else fails, start a fire and get naked, because it works every time. And for the show, it definitely worked for Danny. <laughs> um, and I don't know, maybe 
when she's maybe uh, what I said was true. Maybe when she's in tough positions and she like, there really is no way out then some sort of like adrenaline rush that her body gets and makes her immune to fire. Who knows? Maybe it's something simple and silly like that. But, um, yeah, I, I just, that scene for me was like, great. Like it just happened again. Like I, I, you know, I kind of wish it would have been the dragon in that case to help her, um, instead of just the fire, but so that's, that's how they did it. So, um, I'm not a huge fan of the, you know, the, her being completely impervious, but that's what the show likes to portray. Um, anyway. Right. And the other aspect of that is, okay, now she has this army, and um, I know that uh, book fans and TV fans alike would probably like her to take this army to Westeros, but there is still a looming crisis in the books at Marine. Um, is there that same kind of... Because the only thing I've heard about Tyrion was the dragons, really. That's the only thing I know about what's going on actually in Marine right now. So... Um, is, is there some kind of looming crisis that she's going to have to sweep down and, and turn the tide of some kind of war? I mean, a lot of those characters, uh, gosh, my gosh, I just remembered, um, the Kingsguard, he died as well. Um, well, that was while I was still watching the show though. Yeah. Barristan. Yep. Um, well, so Tyrion's there now helping out. And, um, a couple episodes ago, he sat down with the, the wise masters and, um, everybody, from Astapor and Yunkai, because they found out that's who was funding uh, the Sons of the Harpy, were the the masters in Astapor and Yunkai. And he proposed to them to, um, Marine will stay free of slaves, no slavery Marine, but he'll give the other two cities seven years to basically get their act together so they can have slavery for seven more years and then and then they have to end it. So as of last episode, they uh, they even mentioned there were no more killings, um, no you know no more killings of the unsullied, and there was there was kind of a a, a piece of a, a truth that was being held at the moment. But um, we'll see what happens there. I don't know if that's going to stay, or if there will be another there will be more attacks. And then um, Danny also doesn't know about this plan, so who knows what she's going to do once she gets back? If she's going to be okay with this or if um, if she's going to decide it's time to move on to Westeros or who knows. We'll see. So that's right now there isn't really a threat because everybody's kind of, after Tyrion has sat down with everybody, there's been, everybody like seems to be okay with the plan for now. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, the, the, the other question that I would have is that if... Danny does decide to go to Westeros and she's got a Dothraki army that hates water anyway. Um, how is she going to get there? I mean, are, are, there, as I understand it, there's, there is a Euron Greyjoy, but there's no Victorian Greyjoy, right? Right. Um, so this is uh, the, the change for the Greyjoys they made instead of having Victarion is um, Euron. They had the king's note last episode as well. And Euron was, um, you know, crowned king. And while he was getting baptized, you know, the, and drowned and coming back, Asha and Theon took off, stole all his ships, and I'm guessing they're Ooh. heading that way. So maybe Asha and Theon are kind of like Victarion's replacements as far as this storyline goes. But um, it appears Euron's not happy about this and he wants to try to 
catch up to them and stop them before they get to her. So maybe, maybe that's Asha's plan. They haven't explicitly said, but it just seems like that's probably the next steps for them. As, uh, they're going to take, they had, they heard Euron's plan of going to uh, find the dragon queen to help um, them conquer Westeros. And Asha just stole the ships and went right on ahead and didn't wait. Ah, good for her. Um, yeah. yeah, I, 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 I really like that. Um, Wait a minute. Now, in the show, she's Yara, right? I pr- I probably said Asha. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I said Asha, too. Um. <laughs> uh, my bad. Um, but because uh, I probably led you down that road. Anyway, uh, okay, so that, that, that's interesting, and I, I could see that working. Um, that's really rolling the ball downhill in a, in a different way, um, which I actually, I kind of from a TV standpoint, I think I would really enjoy. Um, but... Uh, does that belittle the importance of of Euron? Because wasn't he? Let's see if I recall in the books he was he was raiding a lot of the Reach and Old Town and all of those places, um, which was uh, something that created a, a lot more tension between Marjorie and Cersei. Are we way beyond any of that tension between Marjorie and Cersei, or, or what's going on there? Hmm. Um, Marjorie is still locked up for now. Um, Mm. Yeah, uh, I think she's, I'm not really, I don't really, I don't really want to speculate too much there. I don't really know exactly where they're going with that, but um, they're threatening Marjorie to have to make the same walk of shame that um, Cersei made, and uh, nobody wants that to happen. Even Cersei uh, was telling Olena and the small council that she doesn't want that to happen either. Um, I think uh, Cersei and Jamie's plan is to maybe, you know, just attack the sept and um and take them out before they can allow that to happen but after that i'm not really sure what Cersei's motivations are as far as marjorie wow yes interesting well i here's something that i could think of from a strategic point of view which cersei's never been all that strategic but if she gets if she gets house martell uh, not martell house tyrell involved in a war with the faith of the seven um that could possibly distract them long enough for her to to really do some seizing of power up on her own right yes i think so um and she still has jamie with in the show she, uh she still has jamie at her side for the time being so oh that's yeah. odd yeah i know it's it's all very strange um of course, there's there was um, never in season four. There was never any Moon Boy for all I know. Line was there? No, never. That is that is one of my greatest disappointments with the show is the um, the complete omission of uh, of Taisha and you know what really happened with Taisha and then Jamie's involvement and Tywin's involvement. So um, right now, if if Tyrion and Jamie met up again, they would they would just be best pals. And um, so Jamie uh, doesn't, you know, I think he knows. Uh, of some of Cersei's crimes because she was locked up for them, but you know he doesn't. He's not angry at her like he was in the books, uh, or is in the books, and and in Tyrion too. Uh, so it's it's all. That's one of my biggest disappointments. Is I I really mm. felt like they set that up too with Tysha. Like they we we got enough backstory on her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know why they left that part out, but it still upsets me to this day. 
Yeah. Guest 4 asks if there's been any fools in the TV series. And other than Sir Dantos, I don't know if there has. Has there? No. Nope. No patch face. No moon boy. Yeah. Um, and Ion Torn in the chat mentions that Jamie is going backwards in time. He's like season one, Jamie. That's weird. I, 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 yeah, I don't, he's, he's kind of gotten like some of his, his Jamie swagger back from season one. He's not, he's kind of that confident. Yeah. Like she said, he's back to season one, Jamie. That's a nice way of putting it. He, is, uh, is he, he doesn't have a care in the world and he's just, you know, he thinks he's the man, and he's going to defeat whoever's going to get in his way. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. So he's, yeah. would you classify him as how we characterized him in a lot of season one as more evil-like? Uh, no, I think um, I think it has more to do with, like, he had a moment with Marcella right before she died, and... So he, you know, he really felt like he lost her, and I think it, I think it stems from that. Um, okay. You know, his, the loss of his daughter, and and now he's just he's just had it. Um, so he's kind of he's kind of taken that attitude of you know not really caring about what people say or think, and he's gonna he's just gonna do uh, whatever he can to protect the Lannister family. Okay. All right. Well, I, I mean, you can't really put that past Jamie. He likes protecting his family. Although, uh, again, um, there are such differences uh, in that aspect of his relationship with Cersei that I don't really know, um, you know, if there's a way to gel that out. If George went a different direction, then maybe he's just going in a totally different direction than they do in the show. Um, but the other Lannister, Tyrion, I kind of want to get back to him. You mentioned he made this piece this fragile piece. But the one thing that I did learn um, through various tweets was him petting a dragon or releasing a dragon or something like that. It almost sounded like the the whole Quentin Martell thing, except no frying. Yes. Um, so Tyrion is a Targaryen truthers out there. Um, that was a big like win for them because he went into the crypts where the dragons were chained up and he kind of talked to them like they were, you know, cats or dogs or something like, like kind of like you talk to your animal, um, but your pet. And um, he was able to um, undo their chains. And after he did the first one, uh, I don't remember which dragon he released first, but after he released the first one, the second one, the second dragon just put his head down and, you know, let him unchain him. And then, and then he just walked out uh, and everything was fine. And then we haven't seen a dragon since then. They kind of turned the dragons after they were released. They kind of just turned around and went like kind of back into the crypts, into the darkness. And then we haven't seen or heard anything from them since. So I don't know if they've escaped or if they're just waiting for Danny hmm. to come back before doing anything. So, yeah, but he did have he did have a nice moment with the dragon. So if you believe Tyrion's going to ride a dragon one day, that will... That will wow. um, kind of help because the dragon didn't really do anything to threaten him. So do you think that Dave have either gotten information from George that A plus J equals T or just from reading the the world of ice and fire, they've come up to their own interpretation of that? I am not sure. They, they, they I guess it could be either. Um, yeah. I don't know. That was and that was kind of our first hint in the show that you know Tyrion has a relationship with dragons. They you know he also while he was in the crypts he was he had his little he was talking to the dragons he was talking about how much he wanted to have a dragon and stuff. I think you hear about in book one, um, you know, just from like his 
in our, you know, dialogue and Tyrion, but he was like saying it out loud. So it's kind of the first time in the show that you, you realize how much Tyrion actually loves dragons. Um, so that was interesting to get that bit finally, but that was, that was kind of the first time too. So Interesting. Interesting. Um, we've talked about a lot of stuff in Holly. I, I really don't want to keep you, but, um, I know I've spouted off a lot of topics and, and, uh, have done, uh, a lot of question asking, but is there anything from this season that you know that I haven't discussed that you think I absolutely have to know? And the main reason I'm doing this is, is one, so that I can, again, just figure out what the heck's going on and two, figure out, you know, what theories to throw out when we resume our theory cast later this summer. Okay, well, I might have missed the, the beginning part um, of the podcast when you were, I think we, we, when we, when I got on, we started talking about the direwolves, but um, I would just recommend, Matt, just go watch the end of this episode or just go watch all the Brian scenes in this particular episode because that's all the, like, the new information. Um, uh, how the White Walkers were created. Did you know or read anything about that? Uh, I, I think I did see a tweet about that. So the, as I understand this, the Children of the Forest created the first White Walker, right? Yeah, we got a vision of Bran. Uh, I'm sorry, my dog is barking. Um, we got a vision of Bran, and uh, he is being shown a man. There's somewhere I, that I think is probably north of where the wall stands now, and there's these these rocks that are um, in a very similar, if not exact, symbol of what you see the bodies in episode one of season one with the White Walkers, and all the bodies were laid out in that spiral. Um, Ooh, he's like cool. rocks. And, uh, and there's a big weirwood tree, and there's a man tied to this weirwood tree. And the children of the forest gather around him and um, put one in particular, put a, an obsidian dagger, like, straight into his heart and leaves it in his body. And then you just see his eyes turn blue. And it, it appears that this is the first White Walker that has been created by the children of the forest to help them defeat man. From the very first war, the children of the forest had with the first men. Um, so we got wow. that. Yeah, that was that was pretty big. That was uh, that was really interesting and awesome to see and to learn about. That, 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 it's kind of an odd convention because it would seem that, uh, at least from what I know, the TV show Blu-rays have done, and I think what we've extrapol- extrapolated from our multiple readings is that. Um, did the children of the forest just create something that they then could not control? And that's why they ended up having to fight them themselves. Yeah. That's, that's what the speculation seems to be now um, is that they were created to help. And then, uh, and then later they, you know, they need man to help defeat them. So um, I'm guessing my guess is as good as yours at this point with that information. It it could be that it's probably that Um, I I don't really know otherwise um, what it would be. Wow. That's, that's, that's startling stuff. I love that. Um, and, and, uh, again, I, I've, I've read some things about the Hodor thing, most of them in kind of a recap form. So I don't have a whole lot of the details, but, um, as I understand it, uh, the, the kid that was playing the younger him really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that whole scene, that was, it was very well done and very heartbreaking. Um, finding out how Hodar became Hodar. It was, it was, that was one of, 
I can't say it was one. It made it such a great episode, but I'm just now able to process how good it was because I was so emotional about the whole entire thing because it went from, you know, Summer's death into that vision, and the tears were just nonstop for me. And I, I it's been it's been a very emotional week for me, and I've been like really down these last couple of days just from you know finding out that information and the loss of you know two of my favorite characters in the uh, in the books and yeah sure. it's um I, I think i'm ready to rewatch it finally i've needed i've needed to take some time because it's uh, I, I think i even tweeted this the other night if I, or the other day if i when i get to this chapter in the in the book i'm gonna throw the book across the room you know like most <laughs> wedding. It's, it was that heartbreaking for me and emotional for me you know the one that got me in in the uh uh in a dance with dragons was Tyrion going underwater I was just like, oh, oh, that's it. And that oh. happened, of course, in season five. And and then I was even more angry when there was another Tyrion chapter. I was like, oh, George, you got to stop with these fake out deaths. That's oh. just too much. He loves to tease us. He loves to tease us. Yeah, he, he has. He has been that. Um I'm assuming, you know, they even got to the whole kind of, uh, and people were already speculating about uh, Frank and Gregor last season. Um, is there any chance of Clegane Bowl in your mind? Um, yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, although we haven't had an introduction to the Gravedigger yet in this series. Oh, okay. But again... We're about to get the point where Brienne is about to be traveling to the Riverlands. So a lot of this stuff, like Lady Stoneheart and and the Gravedigger, you know, we could possibly be seeing this stuff through her eyes once she gets there. Because right now we don't have a point of view in the Riverlands. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Um, Cersei, they, they're, you know, Cersei mentions that she has a trial coming up. So things are going to have to happen pretty quickly. But, um, uh, but I think it's possible. Wow, that would be. I, know, fun. I think it's more likely in the show than in the books, but um, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Holly, anything else? I would encourage you to watch this episode. I really do. I know, I know your stance, but um, but since you quit, there's been a few times where I'm like, man, I wish Matt was watching this. And I think, like, I know I really wanted you to watch Hard Home, and I learned later that you did watch that episode, which made me happy because I thought that was a really great episode, and um. For just for your book knowledge and and speculating fun, I really believe you should watch this episode in particular. Um, okay. Even if it's just the brand scenes, then you want to skip everything else. That's fine. Um, but yeah, um, come back, come back, and be a show watcher again. I miss your right. podcast. <laughs> well, I, I I don't think I the the problem has become for me now in terms of being able to do the the podcast itself. Like um, I I'm just more or less this is my last Tuesday before I'm gone for three weeks touring, so it's like I I don't have time to dedicate to the television show like I would have probably even made time for if I hadn't taken this uh, stance before. But that doesn't, and then I'm put in a quandary as to where, like, you know, because I am a musician and because I hate pirating, it's kind of like, I can't really do that uh, with good conscience. And uh, it's even hard for me to ask my friend um, who's in the band, you know, for his HBO Go password to watch an episode. Oh, Matt, I think you have so many followers that would be happy to share their HBO login accounts with you. 
um, just so you'd podcast again. I, I'm, I, I would put money on it. Um, you got a lot of fans out there. And Iron Trump puts here in the chat, you can get a three of a free 30 day, uh, HBO now trial. Suppose That's I could true. do that. Um, yeah. the, will the show be over by then? Let's see. What, what is today's in date? 30 today's... days. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I joined, uh, next after next Sunday, <laughs> then I could get everything in. Yeah, um, and they always they used to always skip in a week um, around Memorial Day, so you have to account for that too. But um, but mm. that next week, and I don't remember if they said if if, if there's going to be a break or not uh, this weekend. But yeah, um, and you you said you know being a musician that reminds me one of my favorite part of your podcast is uh, listening to you break down the the score. Um, that was that was always great. Nobody else does that on their podcasts and. Um, yeah, we missed that. Oh well, uh, I, I appreciate the fact that you listen. I I know that uh, uh, I know that uh, I'm sure Bubba appreciates you you uh, going on his. Uh, do you do you appear on anybody else's podcast? I mean, if no, people want to, this t- is my uh, this, this is my podcast debut. Matt. <laughs> you you're awesome. Why have, why haven't you had your own podcast about this for like two years? I don't think I have enough original thoughts about the series. People. I listen to a ton of podcasts and uh, I get most of my new thoughts, you know, you know, as extensions from what they're saying. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm not great at public speaking either. I don't, I don't think so. Well, you're better at it than me. You've used a lot less us uh, and does and everything else than I have tonight. Um, but that, that never bothers me. I mean, my thoughts just kind of flow out of my head and I, in no particular order. And I just, uh, try to let other people talk as much as possible. And you've done a great job of that tonight. Well, so, uh, thank you. I really, I appreciate it. well, I appreciate you. Um, uh, Ion here in the chat says, uh, you're doing a great job as well. And says that episode 10 airs on June 26th, but I would like to ask Ion in the chat, what is your source for that? Is that HBO itself or is that IMDb? Because the people at IMDb just throw up 10 episodes in a row and then they fix it in the mix. So um, I don't know. Ion Tron, let me know in the chat. Um, in the meantime, uh, Holly, double H, as I suppose I should call you, uh, if people wanted to talk to you about, if they happen to stumble across this talk shoe page and listen to this particular uh, recording, is there uh, the way they can reach you or do you want to share that uh, as to how they can talk to you about Game of Thrones? Yeah, sure. Um, I am at Hunt Pants. Uh, it is uh, F-I-T-T. Wait, I'm just kidding. H-U-N-T-P-A-N-T-S. Um, <laughs> Hunt Pants. All right. Uh, say that one more time just to make Bubba happy in case he happens to stumble across this. <laughs> Um, that is F I T T E N T R I M. And <laughs> at, at Hunt Pants on Twitter. All at right. Hunt Pants. H U N T P A N T S. All right. There we go. There we go. That's fantastic. And uh, Ollie, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you off of here because I've already wrangled up too much of your time when you could have just turned off at any point. And I really appreciate you coming on and helping me get through some of this stuff. No, I I'm, I was very excited to join you. I'm so glad to have you talk about Game of Thrones again. Um, I'm not going to quit trying to convince you to come back to the show, uh, even if I have to give you my own HBO Go. Um, <laughs> oh, bless you. Thank you so much again for joining us. And folks, uh, if you happen to listen to this, if you happen to come across it, it's not on the podcast Winterfell feed probably because 
I, I just don't feel like I can do that yet. But I, I will uh, ask you that if you, if you are like Holly Hut Pants here and uh, want to tell me your uh, your HBO Go. <laughs> your HBO Go password so that I don't have to use hers or so that I can use alternative ones. Uh, feel free to send an email to podcastwinterfell at gmail.com or to tweet at winterfellpod or leave it in a voicemail, 314-669-1840. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. You've been listening to Podcast Winterfell. Find the podcast blog at podcastwinterfell.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter twitter.com slash winterfellpod contact the podcast either by email podcastwinterfell at gmail.com or by calling the listener line 314-669-1840you filled in a lot of details for me too so that's fantastic well good um so since you know you've covered all the books um what would be you know i know you can't watch the show right now because of you know you're you're touring what uh what's the next steps for podcast winterfell well we're going to do uh my next really free time i pre-recorded three theory casts um regarding the great dawn theory have you read that on reddit um, I don't believe so. Or if I have, it's been a really long time. I might, I need to go brush up. It's been, I, oh. I took a break from, I spent, I used to spend a lot of time on forums and reading theories. And then I don't know this last year, I kind of, I kind of took a break and I felt now I feel a little bit out of the loop in some cases. So, yeah, I think this was put out like in October of last year and it kind of, uh, does a lot of things that a lot of different other podcasts and, and, and theories do. Um, but it does it in kind of a different way, and that's why I was kind of drawn to it. Plus, Taron, uh, the Black, I don't know, do you interact with him on Twitter any? Um, he he was the one that emailed the theory to me, and I read the first part of it and was just like, oh, man, we should record that. And then I found out there were two more parts. I think the first part is really, really solid. The, the parts two and the parts three, they dive a little more into speculation, but they're still a lot of fun. And... Um, I, I Tron, did you get my uh, link that I sent you of my presentation of that one a while back? I don't remember if I sent it to you or not. I think I did. Uh, I put it in a DM. Anyway, the uh, the theory is, is kind of interesting. I can DM you the link sometime if you want. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're going to do that in July uh, while I'm um, still very busy. And then I'm coming back in August and doing... Um, the two stories that I haven't covered from A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. We did uh, The Hedge Knight a long, long time ago. It was like Podcast Winterfell 91 or 109 or something like that. Um, but um, that was with Bubba. And then uh, we did, uh, but we never did The the Sworn Sword or The uh, Mystery Knight. So I, I want to do those two. And then probably if, you know, there's still no word on George's really any word of him releasing winds of winter then we'll we'll dive into breaking down the world of ice and fire and and continuing like 
Kelly and John still have, I know, at least one more uh, Grand Northern Conspiracy podcast that they want to do. So we'll do that. You know, there's lots of things that we can do. It's just that it's not nearly as exciting as uh, for, I'm sure, for listeners is embracing all of the new material that's coming uh, through the television show. Yeah, that's still very cool, though. I'm excited and looking forward to hearing those. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, used to, I used to travel a lot, and that's when I started listening to Podcast Winterfell. Is I would just uh, put on podcasts in the car and listen to Game of Thrones while I drove all over uh, all over the place. And, yeah, you've, uh, you've helped me get through a lot of long drives. And then even after I was done traveling, lots of laundry and just, you know, regular short commutes. <laughs> and and uh, very much enjoyed listening to you podcast uh, over these last few years. And and uh and finding and discovering you know bubba and um and and you know now where he is now it's been really cool to see unfold and and that's all because of you so thanks matt yeah bubba just kind of took over one night and we let him and and he's been he's been my buddy ever since because he knows what i need i i'm the guy that just kind of brings up a question and then everybody else answers it right and he's perfect for that well, I got I got to say, if there's one thing that I miss, um, and I, and I hope that Axel and Heath and Donald and all those guys are do, are doing great, but um, it was always fun since we all talked about Lost together for so long. Um, you know, the the last couple years were really fun with the initial reactions because those guys, um, they brought that kind of um, angstiness to the television show that I just couldn't feel because I was either knew what it happened exactly as I thought it was going to happen since I had read the books or it, you know, happened completely different, which was disappointing. So um, those guys, uh, I'm sure that they still got a lot of fervor and it would be fun to do that again now because we're all, I guess, outside of the Euron storyline and maybe coming up on the end of this, the Arya storyline. And depending on whether they send Jamie into the Riverlands or not, I would suppose uh, if Brendan is there. Um, the rest of it is, has pretty much been covered, right? Yeah, uh, pretty much. And, and like you said, we're nearing the end to the other ones, so we don't really know. I don't, I don't know if there's going to be a red priest that shows up for either Euron or for Asha and like the awesome fire hand thing. I'd love to see that in the show. Um, something tells me that'll be something they skip, but Mm -hmm. I guess we'll just have to see. It seems like Dave and Dan would probably skip that because it's uh, so cool in the books. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't ask you the Dorn stuff. I mean, how? How? Oh, okay. I hated it. I hated it. Oh, the Dorn stuff. Like what's been going on this season? Well, any of it. But, I mean, um, oh, I was disappointed last um, year for sure. Yeah, I think you might have. Well, yes, yeah, so, um, you saw. So you saw some of that. What was the last bit you saw of Dorn? You saw. I think that they had that episode. It was unbound, unbent, unbroken. That was the episode that you quit on, right? The I one where so, they had yeah. the, the fight, and it was because that was the same one as the the Santa rape yeah. scene, I believe. Um, <sighs> yeah, that was that whole storyline was very disappointing to me. Um, they so they killed off Marcella, which you know, um, and then at to, in the first episode of this season, they took out Doran and Tristane, and like two scenes they were just done uh the sand snakes killed both of them they had a uh, elia um alaria sand i'm sorry alaria was the one that murdered doran 
uh, as soon as he gets a letter saying that Marcella was killed by the poison. And then um, Tristane was on the ship with uh, with Jamie and Marcella, and somehow uh, the Sand Snakes, <laughs> this is another kind of funny, like, little finger is everywhere and gets places quickly because uh, suddenly there were two other Sand Snakes on that boat, and they murdered Tristane while it was, I guess, in the harbor at King's Landing. Um, and then they haven't come back to Dorne since then. It was just like they just they just cut that storyline completely short. So short of Dorne being a place where Danny lands, if she, if, and when she ever does make it to Westeros, I really don't know if they're even going to come back to Dorne at all. Psycholaria, I guess is in charge in Dorne now, but um, we don't really know for sure. And, and like I said, the only, she might be sympathetic to Danny and, and that might be the purpose of, you know, having her there is, and, they might just leave that open for a place to, for Danny to land. But again, we don't know for sure. Gotcha. All I, right. I kind of right. hope we never come back to door and I won't be disappointed. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. Well, uh, that would, that would be a way to end the storyline to take out Dorian yeah. and, and Tristane. Um, it's such a shame that, that, uh, such a great actor. I love that guy in, in Star Trek deep space nine, Siddick, mm-hmm. whatever his name is. And, uh, um, I really felt like they 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 cheated what little bit I saw of him even last season. So, um, such a great actor who could chew up stuff like what's in the books, and he just didn't get it. So, um, oh yeah. hi Bill Kava, are you Bill? Quickly in the chat, are you a TV only person? Because I don't want to I don't want to spoil you about Dorn stuff, even though they won't go there in the TV show probably. What it sounds like, but I, I still don't want to spoil you in case you want to read the books later. I don't want to tell you that. I hope I didn't mistakenly spoil anybody else either during the podcast. That uh, uh, might have uh, been a show-only viewer with some comparisons. Ooh, well, sorry. No, you, you, no, you did fine. You did fine, and okay. I was making book comparisons all the way through, so no big deal. Okay. Good, good. I just I, Bill, I happen to know is I well, I think I happen to know hasn't read the books, so that's why I was just being careful now. Um, and there's no response from him, so he's either mad or he's fine with it so <laughs> okay yeah. i don't think any show watchers really care much for torn either i don't know anybody that was pumped up about any of that right right such a shame but that's it the way really it goes it, 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 that you know an hour of television is just too small to, to, to get the scope of the world in my opinion mm, um, i don't know i kind of well i mean i understand it takes you know if they if they win at george's pace they could be making this show for years and years and i understand why they might not want to do that but at the same time i think they could have stretched out some seasons by leaving some of that stuff in maybe tweaking it to make it you know slightly you know drag less but um yeah. i don't know i i think um especially for a show that gets criticized for you know being kind of anti-feminist in a lot of ways they miss the boat um uh, on, you know, showing some things where the story is not anti-feminist with the whole crowning Marcella mm-hmm. and, um, and all of that. And I don't know, they, that was really disappointing. Has, has that tone changed at all? Cause it seemed like it yeah, was getting at its darkest point in, in season five for sure. No, they, they, they're doing wonders with Santa this season. She has, she has come back much stronger. Um, she is killing it. Uh, there's, there's kind of a, a powerful woman theme this season. Um, even the little hmm. bit of Doran that we got, you know, you, you have the Sand Snakes and Ilaria killing Doran and Tristane, and they're kind of make, you know, that's kind of that was kind of a, kind of a feminist stance. It's probably the only positive 
thing about it, except I don't think it serves the, the story as a whole very well at all. Um, but there is, there is a, there is good, powerful female characters doing something pretty awesome in each episode so far. So well, that's that, good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's much better. Um, now the question is, is it because the story dictated it or is it because <laughs> they got so much flack for it last year that they started rewriting everything? Yeah, I know some podcasters would believe that um, it's because of all the the stuff, the, the flack they've received about it. But you know, I don't know. I think I think it's good for Sansa uh, that we're seeing her strong. Uh, Danny continues to be strong, um, and then we're getting you know we didn't have really Asha or Yara at all last season, so having her back and you know the King's Moot scene with her was I thought that was you know her part and that was very good. Uh, I'm not. I don't know if I'm a fan of the whole King's Moot scene as a whole, but, you know, I thought she showed strength there. And, um, yeah, and, you know, Arya uh, continues to be awesome. Uh, Cersei even continues to be, you know, very strong. So I don't think think I'm leaving anybody out. Uh, Pretty much got it. Um, I think I covered all the female characters in the show. Brienne. Brienne is still Brienne. So, yeah, they're they're doing a pretty good job with that. Excellent. All right. Well, that's that's encouraging. Um, and yes. like I said, it, it doesn't really matter the why. It just really matters that they did. So that's cool. There's been there's been no uh, gratuity rape so far. Gratuitous rape this season so far. So that's a plus. Um, oh wow! Don't check something off from season four. A little bit of gratuitous nudity, but nothing out of the ordinary for Game of Thrones. And um, yeah. Excellent. Very cool. Well, I'm I'm all for that. Um, another reason to, to maybe borrow somebody's HBO Go password. Yes, come back, come back. I just feel <laughs> bad that you're as a fan. I just feel bad that you're missing it. I, I I felt that way since you left, and I totally get why you did. But I I'm just I don't I don't like when other fans are missing out. I mean, I don't know. I get I get so excited about this show and the series and the books, and when I know other people quit it, it it's disappointing for me i'm like man i just wish i i just i still want y'all to be in it with us with the rest of us gotcha gotcha male nudity guest four male nudity yeah. oh, oh wait yeah. a minute is that related to bubba's tweet i saw bubba's tweet about something about warts oh yeah and in the episode they there was a from underneath um a male nudity full frontal shot from underneath that um the scene like cuts you right away and um yeah that was that was exciting except it was uh <laughs> not, not that exciting because he was like the the character in question was like examining for um you know uh, for warts so that was that part was kind of gross about it but i mean hey yeah that's it <laughs> <I'm laughs> that's more of a deterrent than a, a, a gratuity <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The women get, you know, shown in, you know, a sexy manner. The men, when they have male nudity, it's always like, not. it's the opposite. It's usually something kind of gross. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, but there was there was some male nudity. Tron says it was a medical PSA. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I got to get out of here, guys. But thank you again so much for for coming in and and listening. Um, Wow. B. Susan. I don't know who that was. Um, But uh, guest four, thank you for your contributions. Guest three, thank you for your contributions. Bill, thanks for stopping in. Uh, B. Susan, 
the guests five and six who have since left. And of course, Ion Throne. Man, so cool that you took the time to stop in here and, and hear me more or less just Iantrone fum- fumble. <laughs> I just fumble all through this, but uh, it's cool. Iron Throne is the weirwood tree to the Game of Thrones, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. <laughs> he knows and sees all. <laughs> Oh no! I need to hold the door. Oh, Ion Throne. Oh, too oh, too no. soon. Too soon, oh, my man. Oh <laughs> uh, God, that is so wild, though. It's just so wild that it he, he was. Uh, uh, <laughs> you don't. Do you call that post-traumatic stress disorder? Or do you call that pre-traumatic stress disorder? I don't know. Post slash future traumatic stress disorder. Wow. <laughs> Heartbreak. Oh, oh, oh do you think that? Do you think that Bran? Uh, I mean, obviously, I guess you said he was warging into Hodor, or and at and being. I think this is what you were saying is that he was warged into Hodor and green seeing at the same time. Is that what he was doing? Okay. He was in a vision. The uh, Blood Raven took him into a vision, and then Blood Raven. Oh, Blood Raven died this episode. In case you didn't know, uh, Blood Raven was was murdered by uh, by a white by one of the White Walkers. But and but he but he had taken Bran to this vision um, that was similar to one that we saw earlier this season. It's like Winterfell when Hodor's young and Ned's young. I think in this particular one, Ned is about to ride off to the Vale, um, and so he's in. He's kind of trapped in this vision while he's in the tree and the attack is happening. And he can hear Mira yelling at at uh, Bran to warg into Hodor, but Bran is still in the vision. He's hearing Mira, but he's looking at young Hodor, so it's not it's not really clear. But I think it's it, it, he's somehow affecting Hodor in the vision he's standing in via Mira's present screaming and you know telling him what to do. So. Um, a lot of people are talking about this. I, I don't know for sure, but I think it, I think, I think he definitely was, in my view, he was hearing Mira yell at him to warg into Hodor, but he's still in this vision. So he's looking at Hodor and I guess he's trying to warg into young Hodor through this vision. And that's how Hodor gets kind of, I guess, mind blown. And, um, I, I don't know. It's all kind of confusing. We, yeah, watch the episode. <laughs> um, it's really all I can say. And I don't okay. know how far off or, or close I am, but that's kind of what I believe is he was trapped in this vision, but trying to warg into Hodor while he's in this vision. And I don't, so I don't really know it's, if he was trying to do like two things at once there. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> it was really crazy. Well, my big question would be out of all of that, though, and, and I don't expect you to have an answer because I, I couldn't even possibly fathom an answer right now. But, uh, you know, big, big thing of mine is brand brand everywhere. Uh, and Bubba even yeah. like pretty much uh, at one point when we were reading the books, he says maybe brand will just, you know, travel back in time through this Werewood network and change everything as a solution. Um, or we postulated that the fact that Bran is because in the books, he's still in the tree. And I, I'm assuming that if this is the origin of Hodor's name, that eventually the white walkers are going to somehow get into the tree. But mm-hmm. uh, is it possible that, um, Bran 
by all of his leave rustling and everything that he's done in the past has created uh, this and there's no you know it's there's really no way to change it it's just that the, it's been Bran who has affected this story in so many ways without even knowing it yeah this is the fun part of the, where the speculation is now is I, I do believe in that instance that the that Blood Raven brought him to that scene so he can make Hodor Hodor and therefore have Hodor help save them um, now whether that means and and I don't. This is where it gets really confusing with the time travel stuff. But I, I do believe that happened. And but whether everything that has happened up until now is because Bran is going to have to do it in the future to affect it to make it so, or whether he's going to have to go back and change things, I think is a little is um it's uh, it's to be determined. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that like he was you know, and a lot of people were confused as I saw a lot of posts like why why is you know, he Blood Raven brings him to the scene knowing he's about to die. Like Blood Raven knowing that Blood Raven is about to die, and people are like, well, why would he bring him here? Why wouldn't he bring him to back to the Tower of Joy, which we saw a little bit, but not all of it? Uh, why Why were we showing him this? And I think Blood Raven was showing him that scene so he could make Hodor Hodor to help him in the present. Um, that's that's what I believe. I don't know if other people agree with me. Um, and then, yeah, I, I'm not sure from here uh, what... That sounds plausible Bran, to me. That that sounds perfectly plausible. Um, I had Blood Raven said in an earlier episode that, um, that you know, the history's been written, the, the ink is dry, but, um, you know, he also brought him to that moment uh, in this past episode with Hodor. So the ink may be dry, but Bran hasn't written it yet. Or I don't, I don't know, you know, we'll, again, we'll have to see. I hope we get a lot more Bran stuff. Um, now he's out of the tree. I don't know how he's going to be able to continue to look at visions. If he can just grab any old weirwood root and see things, or if it's something he can kind of do subconsciously, like as easily as he can warg, you know, I don't, I don't know any, I don't have any of those answers yet. This is where all the fun speculation gets to begin. Also, um, just to tease you and maybe try to get you back into the show a little bit more is in the next week on, there is a, a figure that appears to be saving Bran and Mira. And it, it, it seems like maybe we're going to finally get some cold hands or maybe Benjamin. I don't know. I don't know. Some people are speculating that either cold hands is going to save Bran and Mira uh, in this moment or, um, or maybe we'll we'll finally get the return of Benjamin Stark, and he's going to come back and and save Bran and Mira somehow. I don't know. Um, well, Bubba we'll would say that Cold Hands is just a, a time traveling Jon Snow, of course, <laughs> or 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 a time traveling Bran. Um, and then I think there might be some speculation that Bran, this Bran, is actually Bran the Builder. Like he goes back and he. He's the one that builds the wall, and and brand like you said, brand brand everywhere. Like, like, what if brand is all the brands that ever were? Like, that's kind of interesting to think about too. Wow. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, <sighs> I that, can't wait that's... for the book. I'm so excited. I, I just, I really want the books now. I, I need I that know. even now more than ever. Write faster, George. Write faster. Or don't. It's your it's your books, yeah. darn it. <laughs> oh. uh, but 
Oh, well. All I right, Holly. The emergency would be nice, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. I can't complain yeah. to the guy if he's into movies right now. You know, I really can't right. complain about it. Um, he's 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 created a world that he's able to rest his laurels on now, so. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I really do have to get off of here, but thanks again, Holly. And all everybody, right. sorry for keeping you. <laughs> oh, you weren't keeping me. You were just uh, piquing my interest. I'm sorry for keeping okay. you. And thanks again so no, much. No, no, no problem. Thanks for having me. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.